I think it's safe to say that the Cardinals were riding a high as they flew from Chicago into Arizona to take on Paul Goldschmidt's former team, the Arizona Diamondbacks, after that magical series at Wrigley Field. But after a Game 1 win and then a 19-inning game and two losses, I think it's also safe to say that the high has worn off and reality has set in. And the reality is, the Brewers might not ever lose. And that means this final series at Bush Stadium is as important as ever. What's up, everybody? I'm Tara Wellman. Welcome back to Bird Seeds. This is the final series preview of the regular season, and I cannot believe that I am saying that. I can believe, however, that this last series, three games between the visiting Chicago Cubs and the hosting St. Louis Cardinals, will determine the division winner, just like we sort of thought it might all along. Now, what we didn't plan on was that this series doesn't really matter for the Cubs, like at all. Except that they can play spoiler to some degree. The Cardinals have a lot of unfinished business to take care of this weekend, and joining me to talk about it all is Jeff Jones, who was at that series at Wrigley, got a first-hand look at the improbable four-game sweep, and will be continuing to cover this team for the Belleville News Democrat throughout whatever their postseason run looks like. So he's got tons of content out there for you to consume, but for today, I'm excited to have him here with me. Jeff, it's been a while since you've been on this show, but you are fresh off of a wild weekend at Wrigley and then watching the Cardinals do whatever they did in the desert. So uh, welcome back. And how are things? Uh, Things are good. Things are uh, they're a little hectic. We're doing the end of the season planning here in terms of both uh, what results might look like and what travel might look like and all that fun stuff. So a lot of waiting out the clock and trying to figure out where I'm going to be on Tuesday or Wednesday or Lord knows what day. It gets more complicated the more the Brewers refuse to lose. We'll talk about that in a minute, but let's go back to Wrigley first, because that was, I think that exceeded everyone's expectations on just about every level. What do you make of what happened at Wrigley now that the dust has kind of settled and the fact that the Cardinals went in and not only took care of business, but kind of demolished the Cubs in the process? Yeah, I, I think that the takeaway from that series is that every every lever Joe Madden tried to pull that weekend did not work. Right, the, like all of the magic tricks, the last minute, uh, the last minute Rizzo reappearance, which I think the Cardinals anticipated, but they were nonetheless a little bit irked by uh, the Javier Baez stuff, taking a pinch hit at bat with a broken thumb. Uh, yeah, I, I think that everything that the Cubs tried to do that weekend sort of fell flat. Uh, and definitely took the air out of their season. You know, you've seen them now go on this spiraling losing streak uh, since the end of that series. Can't manage to beat the totally woebegone Pirates at this point. So, uh, you know, I, I do think that that's a team that's pretty well defeated uh, and also a team that's looking at, you know, this last series of the season, we're talking about a Cubs team that's not going to have Rizzo, that's not going to have Baez, that's not going to have Bryant, that's not going to have Zobrist, and that's playing in front of a manager who they know is almost certainly going to be fired on Monday, right? So I, I, this notion that like the angry Cubs are going to push back and seek vengeance – to me, they look more like the defeated Cubs who are just going to stumble to the end of the season, which is not to say the Cardinals can afford to you know, exhale and, and not do what they can to win at least two games in a series because that's obviously incredibly important. Uh, but I don't, I don't really buy into this, this burgeoning, like, terror-filled narrative that the Cubs are going to come in with guns blazing. I think that they're pretty well out of bullets at this point. What was 
the most impressive. I mean, if there were a lot of moments in that series, yeah. uh, starting with, you know, the Matt Carpenter home run that seemed totally improbable and then carried on from there. Was there something that stands out the most as far as what you saw there, how guys reacted in the aftermath or what the takeaway for them was? I, I think what kind of goes under the radar about that series is the performance that Miles Michael has put up on Sunday uh, because you Darvish pitched incredibly well on Sunday after well enough that he was taking, you know, an attempt to finish the game into the ninth inning. And I think it would have been fairly easy for the cards to sort of capitulate under any other circumstances. Uh, but Miles Michaelis sort of stood up and took the ball and turned in one of his best performances of the season so far. Uh, and, and that was, that was awfully important because again, you know, it took until the ninth for that offense to really get going the Paul DeYoung Homer early in that game, but otherwise it was the sort of muted offense that we've seen a little too often from these Cardinals. And so uh, for, for Michaelis to, to have that kind of performance, I think was huge. Uh, and this may be a little under underappreciated in the grander scheme of all the dramatic moments over the weekend. And maybe even more significant now that Michael Waka has gone down and at least yeah. doesn't really seem to factor into anything else the rest of the year. Um, tough way to follow up that series with losing two games the way that they did in Arizona. Obviously coming yeah. in, you know, still maybe on that high after the weekend, they take game one and then play 19 innings and that ruins pretty much anything. Yeah, you know, I, I think that the series in Arizona... The 19-inning game, the reason that it's unfortunate is, though it's twofold, number one, it's the way it obviously did it impacted yesterday's game, uh, but also just in terms of the offense going quiet in that game, I think I think is the thing that you're concerned about with these Cardinals sort of all the way through the season is that the offense on any given night can just sort of disappear. Um, you know, that series is made to look worse by the fact that the Brewers don't lose games anymore. Uh, I, I think that, you know, if, if you were looking for a positive if you had looked, if you if you shuffled the games around, right, and you say that, okay, let's imagine that the Cardinals had lost the Sunday game at Wrigley, the Darvish, and then had won one of the two games they lost in Arizona, and you're talking about taking three or four from the Cubs and two or three from the Diamondbacks, then you probably don't, like, you're probably still sweating because of the Brewers, but it psychologically feels a lot different because it doesn't feel like it's a, it's, it's a missed opportunity. I think from a sort of 30,000-foot view of the road trip, a 5-2 and two road trip is pretty good under almost any circumstance right uh and and so i don't like i understand that the consternation is about not having the division clinched going into the final weekend but i i, I think that all things considered business was by and large handled over the last week and you know the extent to which they can control the brewers is limited like, people are going to look back at that game where John Gant walks the bases loaded, then Ryan Braun hits the grand slam. Uh, they're going to look back at that sixth inning yesterday. I do think it's interesting that in two of, like, when, when you look at sort of the broader arc of this Cardinal season, in two of their most important innings of the season so far, that ninth against the Brewers, that sixth against the Diamondbacks, Junior Fernandez is the fulcrum around which both of those turn. Uh, which is not a thing I think we could predict about a guy who started at Palm Beach this season, right? That he would be on the mound for two of the most important uh, innings of the season. But that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. Sometimes you have to play the hand you're dealt and play with the guys that you have available. And yeah, would the Cardinals love to have gone 6-1 in that road trip? Sure, but they would still be facing basically the same situation going into this weekend. 
Well, and I think it's, as far as perspective, <laughs> 10 days ago, we always expected the season to come down to this last series. Right. So was, the yeah, only reason sort of... the only reason there was any possibility that it didn't is because they swept four games at Wrigley, which was totally right. unexpected. Which no one expected, right? Yeah, if the Cardinals had gone 2-2 two and two at Wrigley, uh, even, I think that you would have looked at that and gone, okay, they survived that. The fact that the, fact that the sweep happened puts things into a different light, but also I think, I don't, I, I don't think you can sort of operate with the assumption that, well, they swept, so now they have to win every game. That that doesn't ha- happen if you're, if you're the Brewers, but it doesn't happen otherwise, right? So it, it, it's a difficult situation for them to find themselves in. But again, you're talking about going into the last weekend of the season, uh, at least a game and a half, at least a game, I should say, up on the rest of the NL Central. Your magic number will be two or three to win the division. You have a playoff spot locked down. That's pretty good, right? Like if, if if the baseball theory had dropped in on March first and said, "Guaranteed going into the last series of the season, the Cardinals will be in the lead in the NL Central with control of their own fate, and will have a playoff spot already locked up," people would take that ninety nine and a half times out of a hundred. Uh, so I think that you know a little bit of calmness may be called for. I think if you had offered that at the All Star break, most people would oh, have been yeah. like. Deal. <laughs> right, yeah, you're talking about a team that was 500 at the All-Star break. Yeah, there's no doubt that people will take that deal. And so, you know, I mean, that's I mean, that, that's the business, right? Like, you, team wins one thing and you always expect more. Okay, great, you got a playoff spot, win the division. Okay, great, you won the division, get to the NLCS, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think that just looking, I mean, they are, they are in control of the division, regardless of how it may feel. And I, I think that you know, the psychology of the, the suddenly unstoppable brewers changes the way that the feeling, the feeling happens about that. Uh, but they're, they're not really that unstoppable. And the Cardinals, again, can control their fate from here on out. Yeah, they still control their own destination here, even if yeah, the brewers do I, win out. <laughs> so. I mean, right, I made this point with someone yesterday who was freaking out. Look, look, the Cardinals won five of their last seven on this road trip. If they win five of seven from here to the end of the season, they win the World Series, right? If, if they win five of every seven games they play from here to the end of the season, they will win the World Series. And so, like, like you know, there, yeah, is there consternation? Sure, but like, let's not pretend like the bus is driving over a cliff. I think there's something to be said about momentum, at least as far as the feel of a season goes. And sure, there was a lot of it after Wrigley, not so much after Arizona. One of the things that maybe didn't get a lot of attention, I guess as much as it could have because of how the series turned out, is the loss of Colton Long, at least temporarily. He was back in St. Louis, did not go with the team to Arizona. I know you saw him at Wrigley, and he was (laughs) antsy to get back in the game, but what's what's your gauge on the reality of where Colton Long can fit in, and, and if it's anything like this last weekend? So, with Colton Long's injury... There's not really a like. There's not a phase of the game where he could contribute as sort of a part-time guy, right? Like sometimes they'll get injuries and like, okay, well this guy can hit but not run, or this guy can be a pinch runner but he can't hit. Maybe he can play defense, etc. Uh, with an injury and a hamstring, there's really not a lot that Colton Wong could do. I mean, he could maybe do the Rizzo thing where he hits and then basically has to walk to first base and then leave. Uh, but I don't think the Cardinals are eager to do that in part because they don't think they would like. I don't think they could trust Colton to not bust. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I also think of like, that's not really his game as a hitter, yeah. right? Like, is that really, is he really useful for you if he can maybe poke a base hit to the outfield and then jog to first base? I think that more accurately, 
you know, he, he's going to need that. And this was something that, that Schilt told us, that he's going to need to be healed before he can be used. The question is what that time frame looks like. I would not expect to see him in the lineup this weekend against the Cubs. That would that would be a pretty big surprise to me. I do think he's likely to be available for the division series. And so the question, the gray area would be if they were to play in a tiebreaker game, if they were to play in a wild card game, is Colton Wong available for those games? That's harder. I think he would probably push for that. And again, you know, we're talking about a grade two hamstring strain. We're talking about a guy wanting to come back from that in basically eight or nine days. That's awfully fast. Um, and, and, yeah, at this time of year, can a guy will, will the guy play with more discomfort and be willing to push? Sure, but there's also that, that that's one where there's a significant risk of re-injury if you push it too hard without it having been healed, and then he's likely done for the season, right? And 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 so they have to be smart and they have to be patient. And frankly, they're not really missing him so far, right? It would it would be a different situation if they had no one available. Uh, when you have Edmund at second and Carpenter at third. Carpenter hasn't really hit much better here over the last week, but you can live with that uh, as opposed to a situation where you had really no backup for Colton Wong. And so I think the Cardinals can afford to be patient until at least the postseason and then see how it goes from there. And I know everybody wants to, going back to Rizzo, talk about what a great series he had on basically one leg, but this is my continued point. He had... One run scored and one RBI. They both came on the home run in the opening day. So, yeah, like, he didn't really help. <laughs> he, I mean, he didn't. And, and the Cardinals, too, like, the Cardinals being aware of the player that he was can approach him differently, right? Like, if, if because the thing with Rizzo is not just about the home run power. It's about the gap power. But if you know that Rizzo can't run out a double, because there, like, there were a couple of those base hits that maybe under different circumstances could have been doubles, but the way that they have the defense position, they were able to basically just sit back uh, and play pure no-doubles defense against Rizzo, knowing that any ball in front of an outfielder, he can't advance to second base. And, 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 and so they're able to limit him. There was also a crucial bunt play from Jack Flaherty, where for whatever reason, the Cubs ran a bunt defense that required Rizzo to field the ball 100% of the time, and shockingly, he couldn't get to it. Like, there was just no way. Uh, and again, two of the four games he left in the fifth inning. And so, yeah, he had some hits in that series, but I don't think he affected it in the way that the Cubs, I mean, certainly not in the way that they needed him to, to win any games in that series, obviously. The bench mafia has become, yeah. uh, quite the, quite the, uh, headline at this point, I black stickers and all, um, the the development of that the bench mafia becoming a thing Jose Martinez sort of leading the charge you feel like that's sort of part of what Jose Martinez brings to a team uh, but especially especially when he's not contributing much offensively although in the last couple of days he's apparently become a triples yeah. machine um but what what does that do for a team that is under so much pressure at this point when they have a little bit of uh lightheartedness coming off the bench yeah, I mean, the levity definitely helps. Uh, I, I think that the Cardinals also have a really young bench, all things considered. When you look at the guys that they're using off, you know, you're talking about uh, Munoz is maybe even one of the veterans of that bunch, right? Randy Rosarena, who had a big game yesterday. Uh, you're, you know, you're talking about a guy like Ravello, who is relatively new to the major leagues. And so 
it's it's in part levity and it's also in part making sure these guys stay prepared, right? There was a lot of conversation uh, about that with Schilt, that, that, that Martinez sort of takes a lead and making sure these guys are thinking about the game and thinking about the relievers and going down to the cage to get ready at the right time. Uh, Joe Bell Jimenez is also a part of that and in, in, in making sure these guys are staying ready on the bench and, and prepared for their spot. Because when you look at you know, who the contributors off the bench are likely to be in the postseason for the Cardinals. You are looking at a Rosarina. You are looking at potentially Ravello or potentially even Munoz. There are there are guys who are younger who have not been in this spot. And Jose Martinez also has not been in a postseason spot, right? But 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 has the kind of experience where the Cardinals are going to need to lean on somebody as a veteran to steer that group. Uh, and and that's that's what Jose's been able to do. Looking at this series specifically, obviously there are a lot of ways things can shake out this weekend. Again, as we keep mentioning, the Brewers are apparently never going to lose again. Right. Um, but the the starting rotation and and how the bullpen recovers from the marathon in uh, Arizona, what what do you expect as far as the decisions that will be made with the rotation, because there are a couple of ways they can go there, right? Depending on yeah. what you think is going to happen, when you use Jack Flaherty, when you don't, who who goes after him. There are a lot of ways that that can kind of come apart, um, even with the best laid plans. <laughs> yeah, I. so I'll say this. I don't expect Jack Flaherty to pitch this weekend. I, I think that the Cardinals are lined up where, where they'll have Hudson and Michaelis for Friday and Saturday. Uh, and so the question will be, what happens on Sunday. And and so it would be Wainwright in rotation turn an extra day of rest or Flaherty on regular rest. And I, I think that with as well as Adam Wainwright has performed, especially at home over the second half, uh, the prudent thing to do will be to let Wainwright start that game and to go from there if it is a game that is important, which is to say if the Cardinals can win, like if the Cardinals go into Sunday with a magic number of one, then I think that you let Adam Wainwright start that game. Uh, if the Cardinals go into Sunday and that game is not important, either because they can't win the division on that day or or they've already won it, whatever, I don't think you'll see Adam Wainwright. I think that Daniel Ponce de Leon would probably start in some sort of a hybrid bullpen sort of thing because the, the difficult challenge for the Cardinals will be because there, there are tiebreaker scenarios which would require them to play a game 163 against the Brewers on Monday. And then if they were to lose that game to play a wild card game uh, at home against Washington on Tuesday. So in that scenario, the Cardinals are not going to want to go into either of those games. And it would be 163 with Daniel Ponce de Leon as the starter. And I think that so in that case, you would see Adam Wainwright be held back. Uh, in that case, to maybe start that 163 against the Brewers, or to or to, and then you'd have Flaherty for the wild card game. So, in either scenario, I think that you're probably going to see uh, Hudson, Michaelis, and then question mark. Because the other challenge for the Cardinals is that I think at this point you have to assume that Michael Waka is done. I think when a guy walks off the mound with his injury history, with what the Cardinals are calling a shoulder strain. Uh, he's not starting or pitching in four days. It's just not happening. So, you know, it, it the question becomes, what do they do if they have to patch? They, they you know, they only need four starters in the postseason. Um, Michael Walker likely not being available means that there's an opportunity for a John Gant, for example, that otherwise wouldn't have been there on the playoff roster, or for maybe even Ponce, though I doubt it. Uh, and, and, and so instead, the Cardinals would have – 
you know, this, this sort of question mark hanging over what the fifth starter spot would look like over the weekend. And that probably is Ponce, but they would like to avoid having to use clarity for sure, if at all possible. The bugaboo right now is the bullpen, right? Because if you've got this mix of starters that can go where you want them to go, the bullpen has kind of been a bit of a mismatch, depending on the situation. As you mentioned, Fernandez isn't necessarily the guy you would have expected to be pitching in these huge high leverage spots with the the season on the line. Is there reason to be concerned about the bullpen at this point? Because it's been good most of the season. It's looked a little worse for the wear as of late. Yeah, I mean, so Carlos Martinez is, I guess, where you start here. And Carlos has been really good almost the entirety of the season. He's had a couple of hiccups. That's going to happen from time to time. But by and large, has been the kind of lockdown guy the Cardinals need him to be. Uh, Andrew Miller is probably not the Andrew Miller that you think of when you think about the guy who's been in postseasons past, right? And then so the question for him is going to be matchup usage and is going to be the way the Cardinals deploy him. And I, I think that... You know, he's been a little prone to the home run. He's been a little prone to, you know, he'll have two or three good outings in a row and then he'll give up one run in a crucial spot and then it looks a lot worse than it is. Um, he's been fine. The right-handers kind of in the middle are where you'll see a little bit of finagling. Uh, John Brabia has pretty much been John Brabia for the entirety of the season and I think probably right now is is the top right-handed option for later in games outside of Gallegos. I, I, I think that Gallegos has recovered from a little bit of a swoon there and looks a little bit more like himself here recently and so has that position of trust. Uh, the guy whose usage is going to be really interesting to me in the playoffs is going to be Ryan Helsley because I think that what you'll see is probably Helsley deployed in a lot of the spots where John Gant had been used earlier in the season. I, I think that... Schilt is coming around to the fact that Gant's late season numbers are really very bad uh, and you're going to need someone to be able, you know, early in games to be used in those big spots against righties. The question would be, especially if it ends up being Atlanta in the division series, what they do against all of the big left-handed bats the Braves have, because there are a lot of them. Uh, Tyler Webb has been really pretty good all year long, right? I, you know, there's, there's a lot of pushback I, because he's a waiver guy I guess and not very you know well well heralded uh, but he's been fine the guy who I think is going to find his way onto the postseason roster and could find himself in some interesting spots is Hennessy Cabrera uh, who I, I think that when you've seen Cabrera used in one inning he's been great and then he goes in and then comes back for the second inning and then it's a lot less good in that, in that second inning of work and so I think that you'll see the Cardinals probably leaning on him more for matchup spots like you could see him pitching in, in in some really big spots against like a Freeman or a McCann if it's early in the game that would definitely be a spot where you would see Cabrera uh and and, and so yeah I, I, everybody's bullpen I guess is worth worrying about at this point in the season the Cardinals are better off than most especially if they're able to put themselves into a position where they have a starter on the mound who they can get six or seven from and they can just sort of slot Gallegos or, you know, Brevi or Gallegos, Gallegos or Miller into Martinez is, is the way that they want these games to go. Yeah, I think the the trouble in the last couple of days also comes from all the one-run games, and you have to go right. to those high-leverage guys every time, yeah, which doesn't allow all, for... Right. Yeah. And there's a ninth-inning game worked in there, right? <laughs> I, you know, I know there was criticism of Schilt yesterday with, with sticking with Junior Martinez once things started, or Junior Fernandez, rather, once, once things started to turn in the wrong direction, but... I just I don't know that he had 
innings anywhere else. I don't know that he he had anywhere else to go, which is an unfortunate spot uh, for him to be in. But that's that's the nature of the nineteen inning beast, right? Like the the only way to backfill that is to unwind all the way back to you know the end of that game and. Maybe instead of hitting for Ponce de Leon, you just have to let him hit for himself, and Ponce just has to pitch six. Uh, you know, that's probably not fair to Ponce. That probably isn't fair to the team that's playing for tomorrow instead of playing for today. You, you know, you can make the argument, but it's pretty hard to justify. Apparently, Adam Wainwright was ready to go uh, in, in that yeah. 19 inning game. <laughs> that, that doesn't necessarily surprise me. I, I, I think that Wainwright right now is seeing himself as a guy who – may or may not be in the last week of his career. Uh, and so he's willing to just sort of pitch until he can't pitch anymore. Which is fair. Um, last thing for you as we look at this last series. I mean, this is a team that's been on <laughs> quite a roller coaster this season yeah. from hot out, out of the gate to miserable in May to mostly kind of boring for the middle part of the season to all of a sudden maybe becoming the team that they all told us they were going to be all along. Um, what do you make of, of this team and the crazy ride they've been on this year? I, I think of this team in the aggregate is about where we all expected them to be, right? Roughly a 90 to 92 win team that should challenge for the division. I, I think that, you know, they're not as good as the team that, that was off to a fire start in, in April and then into August. They're not as bad as the team they were in May. I think that they are probably about the third or fourth best team in the National League, which is where about they're going to finish. Uh, the question will be what these guys do in the postseason and how well they can handle it, right? Because when you look at the other teams, when you look at the, the rest of the postseason field, it's all teams that the Cardinals historically have had this weird psychological edge against when October happens. It's the Brewers who they beat in a World Series and an LCS. It's the Nationals who they rip the hearts out of. It's the Dodgers with, you know, Clayton Kershaw on the mound doing nothing. And it's who am I missing? The Braves, who the Cardinals have beaten uh, in every playoff series against them except for one since the Braves have moved to the NL. And, and, and so, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the – traditional cardinal devil magic thing is a thing that is an interesting concept when applied to the postseason. This is an almost entirely different group of guys than that were there when the last time the Cardinals made the playoffs. Uh, but once you're in and you're in a short series, there's not a lot that you can, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be what it is. They have arguably the best pitcher going in the national league right now. They have a really strong staff at home and they have some guys who, We've not really seen on this stage Paul Goldschmidt, who's really had limited playoff exposure, Marcelo Zuna, who's had none playoff exposure, and, you know, Dexter Fowler, who the last time he was in the playoffs, the last playoff game Dexter Fowler played, he hit a leadoff home run in Game 7 of the World Series, right? So there are like there are reasons to be optimistic about where this team is going into the postseason, and, and, and frankly, getting in and rolling the dice has sort of always been the model for this team uh, and they are there now. And so we wait and see what happens. And they have Tommy Edmond. So what, what more right. can you possibly right. need? <laughs> Magic Tommy Edmond with his 1100 OPS. Over yeah. The yeah. Um, lots of new guys, new faces in the postseason. should be some fun stories to tell. I am looking forward to continuing to follow them and your coverage of them as we go. However far we go into this fall season. Well, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm excited to be there to cover it. 
And, you know, a week from now, we're talking about either a team. Uh, we're, I, I, a week from now, either we're all gathered for the end-of-season press conference with Mo, or we're talking about a team that is in whatever position they could be in the NLDS. So lots of possible outcomes between now and the next week. So many different ways things could break. Well, Jeff, I know that you have a lot going on right now, so I appreciate your time. Anytime. Now, we keep saying the Brewers are never going to lose again. The odds are still in favor of the Brewers losing at least one game as they conclude Thursday with a game against the Reds. Then they go to the Rockies to play three games there. So there are still chances for the Brewers to kind of take a step back and not win every game. But the Cardinals can take care of business on their own terms by winning their own games. It's a bit of a mess after the week in Arizona, all of the changes that had to be made there on the pitching staff. It will be interesting to see who steps up if these guys who are new to the postseason pressure, or at least the pressure of getting to that division title, can step in and step up. Tommy Edmond has been magic, but he can't do it alone. And without Colton Wong as the sort of tandem to that spark plug, someone else is going to have to step in and do it. Should be an exciting weekend with lots of possibilities. I don't even know what else to say about this season for the Cardinals. I think Jeff summed it up quite nicely, and hopefully there's more to say yet in 2019. Thanks again to Jeff for joining me. Make sure that you're following him on Twitter. He's got content all over the place, some really great stuff coming out at the Belleville News Democrat. That Bench Mafia story was great, as well as other stuff that he had over the weekend. So look for more of that. Make sure you're following him, which you probably already are. And um, I would say the same about me, but if you're seeing this, you're probably following me too. So you know the drill by now. Make sure you're following. Keep watching. Thanks for being here. That's all for now. I'm Sarah Wellman. I'll see you next time.